If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. My, my dog, Benaya, does your dog like to do this? Like he loves to lay across the door and wait for people. And, and like people come in here and he's laying across the door and they walk in and he's like up and ready to meet them. So he's crouching in wait, ready to come. And that's the kind of the idea behind this. Sin's waiting, it's crouching at the door. Here it comes, a brand new day, but I don't know what will come my way. Rise or fall, your love will see me through it all. You opportunity and challenge like your word directs me to what's right and spurs me on right through the fight with the promise of new life. Good evening, my name is Marco and this is Pastor Stan Starkey. You are listening to A Word with God. Absolutely we are. This this evening, Stan, we're going back to the beginning in creation. That's actually where God created the foundations of marriage. Do you did create you know things? That? Yeah, I did. But do you create things? Uh, not out of nothing. Not a, no, well, God does that. <laughs> That's He's right. Nothing. But, but did... did have you made things that really haven't turned out the way that you thought they would? Yeah, the plan was good, but the execution perhaps, and then the process, yeah, I just messed things up. Uh, we, we did a deck for you a couple of summers ago. That turned out pretty good. Yeah, but now the wood's kind of rotting, and I need to replace something there. It's, so it didn't turn out the no, best No, it's not lasting. I think, uh, no, there's there's definitely some problems in there. Okay, do you, like, that happened with God, but it wasn't God's fault. It was sin. So we're going to talk about that tonight. Yeah, we're, we're in the second chapter of Genesis. If uh, you could open up your Bibles and uh, stand, I'm ready to begin. How about you? Absolutely. Let's do it. He's twisting the truth. I'm going to give you a Sunday. You're doing really good up here with some things here. The seed of what's to follow is the idea that God is hiding or is holding out on us that God's motives are less than for my best interest. That's where sin starts. Purposeful for rebellion. When the woman saw, doesn't that look good? It looks kind of good. Did we hold that for me, Anita? Okay, just kind of look at it there. And the woman saw and, 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 and that the tree was good for food. Can, you can't tell. Can you tell how far away do you have to be before you can tell that a tree is good? I mean, you've got to be up close to see the fruit, don't you? You've got to get up there, you get close, and she's got to be looking at it. And she saw that the food was good. Hmm, let's go on. And that it was a delight to the eyes. Okay, she was focused on it, so she must have spent some... If it's a delight to the... Don't spill it on the floor, or Marco won't be able to eat it. Um, but it means that you've spent some time. It's delightful to the eyes. It wants you want more the longer you look at it. It's, there's like this ooey-gooey drizzle on top, and there's cinnamon and apple in there, and it smells really good, and it tastes really good, and, and that gooey part. You see that little gooey right down in here in that crevice? There's a gooey part, and it's right filled with the, with the stuff. And it looks really, well, let's go on here. And that the tree was desirable, because she's, she's more than focused. She started obsessing on this thing now. 
It's desirable to make one wise. She took from the fruit and she ate from it. And she gave it also to her, who? Her husband. With her. The dude's with her. I mean, he's the one that got the instructions. And he ate. Rebecca's son's reading a book, Diary of a Wimp. Okay, this is kind of where Adam is in here. I mean, he's kind of like doing this, this. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They were uncovered. They were exposed. There's more going on than just flesh here. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Isn't it interesting they cover what's different about each other? And they heard the sound. It can also be translated voice of Yahweh God walking. It kind of the second meaning there, the second most common meaning of that word is to move. And it makes more sense because God is not in body, right? He's a spirit. No one has ever seen him. So the voice of God is moving in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hide themselves from the presence of of Yahweh God among the trees of the garden as if that was going to get them out of the predicament. Hiding on God, we think you need a good thing? No. Then Yahweh God called to the man, and he said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and, and I was afraid. Dan, it's the first time I've seen the word fear in Scripture. Right here, Genesis chapter 3. So I hid myself. Oh, sorry, because I was naked, and, and, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that? You were, have you ever had your mom do that? Well, who told you that? And you don't want to say, who told you that? Um, my mom was really good at that. And, uh, and God, God goes on with some more questioning here. And the man said, the woman, or sorry, he says, have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman from whom you gave, uh, who you gave to me, she gave me from the tree and ate. It's your fault, God. You gave me a defective product. And send her back. God doesn't argue with him. He just kind of lets that sit. And Yahweh God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. In other words, it's your fault, God. You gave us a defective environment. What do I take away from this? Temptation is a process. It follows a pattern. Seeing, desiring, obsessing, submitting. The fruit of giving into temptation is sin. Fear and death, and the end game is broken relationship. There was a broken relationship between man and woman and God. There was a broken relationship between a man and his wife. There was a broken relationship between man and the earth that we're going to see coming. Three broken relationships. Proportional judgment, verses 14 to 19. Yahweh God said to the serpent, because you have done this, and he's going to curse him. He's going to say, you're going to, walk, you're, you're going to be lower than all the cattle. You're going to be crawl on the ground, on your belly. You're going to eat dust. There's going to be this enmity. This also begins to morph. And there seems to be more here than just this serpent because this is the beginning of 
God's restoration. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between you, your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise you on the heel, and you shall be bruise him, sorry, bruise you on the head, and you will bruise him on the heel. The serpent's at all out war with the man and the woman. Scripture later explains that that final crushing was the cross that crushes the head of the evil one and his plans of destruction. He moves on to the woman in verse 16. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. That's the event. In pain, you will bring forth children. That's the process. Anybody got pain with children right now? Strained relationships, things not going well. Pain is going to enter into that. Yet your desire, your craving will be for your husband. And that can also be translated, but he will rule over you, have dominion over you. That's what they were to have over the garden, right? Control and rule over the garden. Three ways that people interpret this. One, they think it's sexual. You're going to have this pain in childbirth, but you're still going to desire sex with your husband. It doesn't always happen. I wouldn't say that that's being lived out today. Number two, they think of emotionally. You're going to desire to be connected to your husband and relationally, and yet it's not going to happen. There's going to be disconnect. It's kind of interesting in the Hebrew, those two words are the idea almost of a wrestling match, of turning each other over. It can also actually have kind of a sexual connotation to it. There's going to be this wrestling back and forth in who is going to be on top and in control of life. That kind of makes a little bit more sense in the context as we look at life today in the relationship between men and women. Verse 17, then to Adam he said, well, he's going to do some more things here, cursing. Cursed is the ground because of you. And toil and labor, you will eat of it. A lot of labor, a lot of toil. Tom, those potatoes don't stay clean by themselves, do they? And even when you work at them, they still don't stay clean, do they? Would have been a lot better if there was like 50 more people out there pulling weeds, wouldn't it have been? Well, the ground's not going to cooperate. Verse 19, by the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you return to the ground. There's a lot of sweating and toil. It's like, like okay, Brad, the girl's worth it, and you're going to leave home, but you know what? This comes a mortgage payment, car payment, heat, hydro, food, insurances. There's a lot of things that go into living on your own, and, and it's not easy. Is it easy, Dad? No, it's not easy. Not to provide. Well, sustaining yourself is not going to be an easy chore. See, because of it, because from it, from the ground you were taken, for you are dust. You're going to return. There's, there's a time limit to living now. Man, this is not good. And to the dust you shall return. There's a limit to how long you will live. Let's take away from this four things. There was a radical change in relationship to the world. Two, there was a radical change in relationship to each other. Three, there was a radical change in relationship to God. And fourthly, there was a radical change in life expectancy. It's kind of a mess. Well, Christmas season is coming up on us really fast. 
Do you have your shopping done, Marco? I haven't even begun. You no. Oh, I'm I'm getting ready to go to Princess Auto to buy some gifts for. I'm Lori. sure your wife will really appreciate that. What? They don't I call her think, Princess Auto because it's for princesses and girls. You know that. Well, it's tools. What good woman for, wouldn't want tools for Christmas? Your wife, Stan. Okay. Well, you and I can talk about that <laughs> after. But beginning the Christmas season on December the second, that's a Thursday evening at seven p.m. We are joining our friends at St. Mary's Hospital in the atrium for the lighting of the Christmas tree. And uh, they have asked us to be a part of that evening, and there's going to be a carol sing. Tim Hortons. Are you into Tim Hortons? The Timmy's is good. Yep. They are They are supplying hot chocolate nice. and Timbits. And we are just going to have probably about a half-hour evening of uh, getting ready to anticipate the Christmas season with our friends at St. Mary's. Protection presented verses 20 to 24. Now the man called his wife's name Eve. Didn't he name her already? He's changing his mind here. Men change their mind too. Eve means life. Because, for, she was the mother of all living. And Yahweh God made garments of skin. They, they sewed together leaves. God made skin. Some think that there's some sacrifice going on here. It doesn't say explicitly, but it's, it's quite possible that, that God in, introduced sacrifice here for sin. Behold, the man has become like one of us, plural of majesty. Not necessarily talking about a Godhead there. Some would read that into it. Some would say it's just a plural of majesty. And just like when Queen Liz says, we are not happy today. That kind of thing. But, I mean, you can go either way on that. He'll be like us to stretch forth his hand and he'll eat from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Some think that means that he'd live forever in that state, in that sinful state. Some think that means he'd live forever and the sin would compound that much more quickly. We're not going to really delve into that this morning, but those are some possibilities. Therefore, because of that, Yahweh God sent him out from the Garden of Eden and to cultivate the ground. Ah, back to Genesis chapter 2. No one yet to cultivate the ground. Now man is being sent out to cultivate the ground. So he drove the man out of the east of the Garden of Eden. And he stationed a cherubim with flaming sword, and which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Takeaway here is protection was offered. Covering was given. Forgiveness was given. Protection from further consequences. God put an end to it so that things didn't get even more out of hand. Well, here's the third thing, the third takeaway this morning. Sin has left our relationships a mess. Sin has left relationship between men and women in a total mess. Now, the man had relations with his wife, Eve. This is normal. They had sex. And she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, now this is really weird. I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Basically, in the, in, in the original, she says, I have made a man. What was the serpent's kind of deal? You shall be like God. God made a man. She's going, ha, I've made a man. I'm becoming like God. That's one way of taking it. That's a pretty strong pretty strong way to take it, but it sure makes sense. I've gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord, 
Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground, looking after what was under the curse. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering, and we have the two offering things going on. We have the offering of Cain and the offering of Abel, and of course, Abel's offering was accepted, and Cain's offering was not accepted. And we jump down a little ways, and God sees that uh, you know, Cain is, is, is really ticked. Then Yahweh said in verse 6 to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Ugh. I mean, you know, he's making a face. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. My dog, Maniah, does your dog like to do this? Like, he loves to lay across the door and wait for people. And, and, like, people come in here, and he's laying across the door, and they walk in, and he's, like, up and ready to meet them. So he's crouching and wait, ready to come, and that's the kind of the idea behind this. Sin's waiting, it's crouching at the door, ready to spring out. Well, he says, you must master it. Have dominion. Same word that he's used again, dominion in the garden dominion, but you must master it. Cain told his brother, why would Cain tell Abel about this? He's complaining to his brother about what's going on here, and we don't know the, I don't know brothers though. I don't have brothers and sisters, but I've watched brothers and sisters, and sometimes when one brother tells another brother something, the other brother won't leave it, it never happened between you two, right? You get along perfectly all the time, right? Okay, but some brothers and sisters don't. Eventually, what happens? And it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And then we go into this whole thing where God talks to Cain, and where is Abel, and how do, how do I know where my brother is, and this hiding, covering, deal goes on. So not only between Adam and Eve, and Adam and the ground, and Eve, Adam and Eve, and children, but now it's gone from sibling to sibling, in this thing, it's just, you ever, ever put baking soda and vinegar together? It just goes, and that's the picture of sin here. It's just going like all over the place, spilling over into all kinds of things, messing up all kinds of things. Cain said to Yahweh, my punishment's too great because like God's going to send him out. He's, he's taking away the ground thing. Behold, you have driven me this day from the face of the ground. This guy's a true farmer. Like, he's more interested in the ground than in God. Like, he's like, ground is everything to him. And from your face have I hidden. God was number two. I can't farm anymore. I can't have dirt anymore. And, and, and like, I can't, and I'm going to be hidden from you too, God. Secondary thought. And I will be a vagrant and a wanderer. And, and you wonder, is he all cranked up about his punishment? Or is he cranked up about a repentance? It seems more punishment-driven. Here's some grace, verses 15 to 18. So Yahweh said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, like he, he brings about some grace and some protection for Cain, even though Cain had, had, had not been, uh, did not give the offering he was supposed to, even though Cain killed his brother, even though Cain was, God still pours grace out even on Cain. Verse 17, Cain had relationships with, had a relationship with his wife, had sex with his wife, and she conceived. And we see that uh, there's a whole line of children given to Cain, more grace, more blessing. Six generations later, we come in on verses 19 to 24. Adam and Eve are still alive. 
There's six generations. Lamech took to himself, which is again one of Cain's descendants, two wives. The name of one is Ada. That's my great-grandmother's name. And the name of the other, Zillah. Six generations later, we now have multiple wives entering into the situation. Do you think that makes things better or makes things worse? What do you think, Will? Multiple wives, better or worse? Didn't seem to work, did it? It seemed to make a lot of problems going on here. Well, if that moves on, in fact, Lamech ends up killing a guy. He, he takes on this eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth mentality. He's kind of a brawler. Relationships between man and God, relationships between husband and wives, relationships between parents and children, relationships between siblings, relationships with other people. The whole thing is falling apart. And I promise. This is how Genesis works. Narrative, narrative, narrative. Little poetry. Punchline. Here's the punchline. And Adam had relations, had sex with his wife again. And she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, there's a huge change in language here. God has appointed. God has given me another offspring in place of Abel. For Cain killed him. To Seth, to him also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. And then here's the point. Here's where it's taking it. The whole four chapters, all one story, all coming down to this very clear point that this is where Moses wants to bring people. Then men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. There's only one source to making things right in life. There's only one source to fixing relationships, relationships with God, relationships with each other, relationships between husbands and wife, and relationships between brothers and sisters. There's only one source that you can call upon that will make a difference and that will bring things together. Wow. I have four conclusions here. The first one, it didn't take long after sin entered the world for the whole relational thing between men and women to become a mess. Isn't that evident today? Like, everywhere we look, it's just, it's, it's not the exception. It seems to be the rule that relationship between men and women is just messed up. It didn't take long for that to happen. Number two, God is a God of restoration, and not only does he call us for restoration, he provides the means. God wants things to change. That's why we're going to delve into the Song of Solomon, is that it gives us some clues on how romance and love and sexuality play out in a time in this world where it's a mess around us. Isn't it about time to open the book and figure out what God has to say? Number three, it's about time that we dump the world's game plan for bringing men and women back together. Okay, are you with me on it? The world has a game plan. Get what you can get from the relationship. Give what you can get, only what you get back. You go, if they go 50, you go 50. If they go 75, you go 75. It's all about you and getting your needs met. And if you get your needs met, then maybe you can consider meeting their needs. And, and like, there's the world's game plan to this whole thing. And the world's game plan sucks. It doesn't work. It leaves people feeling empty and unfulfilled and used. And, and like, there's, what is the sense? 
time we flush the world's game plan. Number four, the Song of Solomon is God's answer to what healthy relationships between men and women, engaged couples, there's a lot about engaged couples. You're an engaged couple, thinking about getting engaged, you need to listen to this. Tells you about premarital sex and how that messes things up. And it tells you, don't spend a lot of time together, you're going to end up in bed together. It's kind of clear on some of these things. And fifthly, it's going to be uncomfortable. Because like in North America church, we don't talk about, they think, we just think if we're just quiet and kind of close our eyes, ever do that at night when you were a little child and you were scared? If you just close your eyes and sing a nice song, a lot happier than we're, like they would go away. And that's how we approach marriage. That's how we approach our relationships today. We think if we can just kind of tough it through, sing a song, maybe a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, things will get better. Well, that's not true. And Song of Solomon is going to be uncomfortable, okay? Somebody said we should turn all the lights off, and then if we blush, then it's not going to be a problem then. Well, we're not going to keep the lights on. I think that's probably the best thing. But we're going to talk about some stuff that, that just, you kind of go, hmm, Okay, let's talk about this. Because I believe God wants us to have marriages, relationships that reflect His standard and what He wants to see, and not the world's. So Stan, in, uh, in verse 7 here, you're talking about the the dominion that one will have over the other, and man over woman, and you know, you said that this is something that we, we kind of have like it's like a wrestling match, but it seems to me it's only been as of recent that man and women are really wrestling. It seems like in the past it's, it's been kind of like mm. set. It's interesting. My son's been doing a lot of study in, in Greek and in Roman uh, culture, and, and, and it comes in waves. It, it comes and goes, and yet uh, what can be in a culture once you get into the home itself um, I don't think that um, it's really gone too far. I think we, that wrestling match has been there all the way through. Maybe just not seen by the public. All right. All right. And Adam was hiding in, in the garden. Now, we both know that he knew that he can't hide from God. So what was this all about? What was he trying to do? <laughs> well, we do the same thing, don't we? Well, we try to hide our sin. We try to cover over. We try to get out of God's sight. And and you know that's just our human response to a god problem and it's it's not a really good response so the the last question i have for you stan is is the one that uh talks about the offering there's nothing that we can really offer up to god that he needs so why was he requiring that cain and abel made those offerings up to him acts of obedience. It's the same with lifting the serpent. I remember Moses, they're in the wilderness. The snakes are coming, biting people. They're dying. Well, well, does a brass snake on a pole save you? No, but it's an act of faith. And so the sacrifice was an act of faith. It uh, is inconsequential what the sacrifice is. And I mean, reality, the reality is, is if God said, this is what you had to do, is this what they were going to do? Were they going to trust God? Were they going to have faith in him? And that what he said would work, would work. So really, when God says jump, we just say how high, and, and that, that's just it. Is it ever our place to, to question him? Gee, I wouldn't. All right, then. <laughs> that, that's good enough for me, and that's pretty much, yeah, all that needs to be said about that. 
So, you know what? I just want to thank you for, for listening uh, with us tonight, and I hope you enjoyed doing so. Hey, feel free to drop us a line sometime online. You can do that at wordwithgod.org. You'll find a, a, a link entitled Contact there, or better yet, consider joining us some Sunday morning. Our worship service begins at 1030, and we'd love to see them there. Isn't that right, Stan? That's right, and we come to worship because Scripture says God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, and this answers your last question too, Great. let your words be few. Awesome. This week I'd like to remind you that it doesn't take long for sin to make a mess of things in our lives. And when it does, because it will, be more interested in the repentance than the consequence. And remember, don't end your day without a word with God. Here it comes a brand new day, but I don't know what will come my way. Rise or fall, your love will see me through it all. Up soon, a and challenge like your word directs me to what's right and spurs me on right through the fight with the promise of new life.